0: You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm
1: Chris. And I'm Stephanie. We are talking about the fourth episode of Killjoys, Vessel. While we will talk about anything and everything from that episode, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes.
0: First, we'll give our quick reviews, then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy, and then we'll conclude by discussing the questions we have after
2: watching this week's episode. So let's get started with our quick reviews. I liked it a lot. We got some more hints about Dutch's past, and we got to see another side of Davin, which I'm I'm glad about. And also, there was some new insight into quad politics.
1: I enjoyed it as well. I tend to – it's not that I dislike them, but I don't love episodes that deal with pregnancy and childbirth all that much, because I'm heartless, and sentiment and emotion just – they make me rust. Don't gel with you. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> However, so I I did, there were some elements of it that just, because me personally as a viewer, I'm like, can we move on past the sentimentality stuff? But I thought it was generally a pretty funny, mostly fun episode. Obviously, there were some darker elements. And I really liked that there was a nice story arc for Dutch in this episode.
0: I loved it. It was nice to see this team start coming together with a lot of humor. And I like the case of the week and the vessels as the most badass pregnant woman I've ever seen on TV and Dutch's usual badassness and her political savvy. I don't think knows any bounds
2: and it's nice seeing Davin opening up to Johnny. It was nice to see that. Mm -hmm. I've got to say as far as pregnancy and such on, on TV, this was less sentimental. I mean, there was some sentimentality, but it was less sentimental and more about like, how hardcore badassery <laughs> it is right i mean hardcore pregnant woman
1: oh yeah oh yeah but i also just start to go like ah, oh, that is an incredibly short labor that would never happen <laughs> i guess i start to <laughs> well it kind of started earlier kind of and did you see how big that baby was that was not a newborn. <laughs> oh my god we
0: know stephanie Stephanie. They it happens never every are show. on TV, though. I know.
1: I, know. I have a lot never, of friends ever. who are doulas and midwives, though, so I'm just like, no, that's not realistic. <laughs> <But> that's <laughs> just me TV being show. a jerk. I know. It's me being a jerk. <laughs> I know this.
2: My dad was all like, she wouldn't have the strength to go walk out, carrying the baby know, after giving birth. and So then I'm teasing my dad. I'm like, because you know from all your experience of giving birth, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he well, said she, Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That that too, like the fact that she was all like up and moving around, and here, here's your, yeah, that was anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but I liked the episode. I did. It's just me being a jerky jerk face. Because <laughs> <laughs> this episode, I thought was was actually really interesting. I'm gonna go all feministy here, but I thought that there was this interesting conflict between. Dutch, who coming from a similar environment, just thought this is a terrible life for these women. They're being used and brainwashed, and you know they're 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 weak and they don't know how to deal with situations. And she felt like she herself had emerged into a better life. And so I like that Constance really challenges her on her assumptions about these women, and at the end says, you know, this is what I want to do. This is I'm choosing this life, and I'm going to help these these women. As long as they exist, some I need to be there for them. So I really did like the ultimate themes in, in, of this storyline. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I
2: appreciated that Dutch was really, like, willing to listen to whatever Constance had to say. She's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I don't think this is right, and you've been used, and Constance is, says, but here's the decision I'm making, and Dutch says, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Dutch asks her, what do you want? What do you want? Not exactly. you know, nuns, not you know, not the nine. And I think it's uh, great that Constance says at the end, you know, she's going back to her, what she calls her home because these are, these women have become her sisters and she's the one who can protect them now, you know, with her knowledge and, you know, the nuns are all gone. So she's going to take over that role because it's what she chooses to do because who's going to protect those who can't protect themselves yet.
1: I really did like that exchange at the end because clearly Dutch had not changed her mind on the practice of using these women as vessels because she has that line where she says, It's not an honor to carry these people's children for them. But she recognizes that Constance has done what Dutch told her to do and made a decision about it. And that was enough for Dutch to be like, Okay, I still don't think that, I still don't agree with your interpretation of this situation. But as long as you're taking control of your life, okay.
0: Yeah, she's not going to judge.
1: And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it it did recall for me, I think, a tension between uh, that can exist among women and women who choose to have children and stay home with their children and women who choose to have careers, whether they have children or not. And this idea that if you choose to stay home with your children, you are not availing yourself of the opportunities that women now have in the workplace. And I thought maybe it was recalling some of that tension in the storyline. I can see that. You're like, I didn't think of that at all, but okay, Stephanie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, not necessarily that specifically, but yeah, there were other similar things that I was thinking when watching. Like what? Sure. Oh, like, um, just various decisions that, that one makes. Like, um, oh, I, I read lots of commentary on like Tumblr and things where people were talking about the decision to wear, uh, hijabs or not.
1: Oh, mm hmm stuff like that yeah that's a good point too
2: yeah again like maybe there are the people who don't agree with the decision to follow tradition and again it's that whole respecting the decision or respecting that people can make their own decision about that you know
1: right Mm -hmm. no that's a good parallel too i guess i thought of the the stay home mother conflict just because it dealt more directly with children but absolutely that's that's an excellent parallel as
2: well and i mean there are Obviously, other similar things, too. Of course. Right? Of
1: course. But thank you. I didn't think about that one. Mm-hmm. Staying on the feminist train, this episode also reminded me of Elements of A Handmaiden's Tale by Margaret Atwood, which is a fantastic book. If you haven't read it, go read it. I haven't. I've been meaning to, but I you haven't. You haven't? Oh, it's so good. I have not. <laughs> it's disturbing, but it's so good. As is true of many things, right? By, by, yeah, especially by Margaret Atwood. It's one of her dystopian ah. future books. Hmm. so many dystopian futures
0: <laughs> books these days anyway
2: there were also elements of like mad max fury road <laughs> again <laughs> i think aaron ashmore tweeted tweeted that yesterday and
1: guess, the funny yeah. thing is they wrote and probably even filmed these episodes well before that movie ever came out it's true no i i know i so it's interesting though that this show has had several mad max fury road elements to it even though the movie didn't exist when they wrote the episodes. Mm -hmm.
2: And we, we got the return of Elvis or as Stephanie has termed him hunky monk.
1: Yes. Hunky monk.
2: (laughs) I thought that was kind of an interesting interaction that he had with the, uh, I guess, police officer. I wasn't sure.
1: What did he call him? It was. Yeah. I can't remember the name that they used for those military like figures, but I don't think he's a soldier. I think he's like a, guard or something i don't think yeah i
0: don't remember but yeah it's interesting he said i'll pray for you and your family
2: i think yeah he said that part very pointedly which made me yeah, curious and then the guard looked kind of a little
0: freaked out and i'm like huh this is he's an interesting supporting character and i'm wondering what role his uh you know the priesthood that he's with plays overall in westerly and what kind of power he has over someone like the guard. You know what I mean? Like people are, seem to be afraid of that kind of, they could unconsciously be afraid of that kind of, that priest race, especially since the first episode, he's like got hooks in him. I will take on your pain. And we're like, Oh, that would freak me out a little bit to be around someone like that. If they were so direct with me.
1: I am super interested in the scarred back characters and what role religion and that particular faction of people play in this world. I've, Find yeah. them very intriguing. Mm-hmm.
2: There is lots of that sort of thing just throughout the series. Like we get little hints and glimpses of various cultural elements that I, I assume we're going to get more of through the course of the series. But yeah, you ha- you have to watch these episodes very uh, carefully because there's
0: a lot in there and they're very dense. But it makes it really fascinating.
2: I've really I, I think it makes for good rewatching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I didn't catch
0: that last time. I
2: yeah. wonder what
0: that means. I think the more you watch, the more all the pieces will fit together
2: in the end, I think. We also got a, a new bit of world building info. There, there is apparently the nine, which I guess are the nine
1: original, I guess, families from Crash. I guess is the implication. Speaking of dense, I need to go back and re-rewatch that scene with Dutch and Delcea because I still didn't, even after two viewings, didn't quite catch everything that they said in that scene. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it seems to be a very delicate balance between the nine and how they maintain their rule and their peace between those nine to rule over the quad that it's all built on. If there's a family line and... Even then, there seems to be at at the end when Dutch was like, "Well, which family paid you off?" And so it seems to be a lot of potential backstabbing and not quite. It seems to be a very. It seems to be a very uneasy truce between these nine. It could just one little thing could throw them all into war again.
2: I think one of the most interesting things revealed in this episode, at least to me, was that. It seems that location of birth is more important than blood.
1: Yes. Mm, Yeah, good point.
2: Because the kid who was born in the episode, who was the descendant of one of the nine, even though he was a direct descendant, it didn't matter if he wasn't born on Kresh. Which is weird, right? It is weird, but- (laughs) I mean, it kind of- it, it makes sense in the context of what we know. That whole thing about ownership of land is what makes you important- In the quad, apparently.
1: And it further, I think, illuminates the clear class hierarchy between the three planets. They Mm -hmm. couldn't even, they weren't even supposed to breathe the air on Westerly, because that made them impure. So just the complete, it's not just the the people from the planet, the entire planet gets dismissed.
0: (laughs) The entire planet is thought of as a wasteland, or inferior to Both Elysians and the Crush.
2: Crushy,
1: yeah. We also got three more guest stars this week. The actress who played Constance. Okay, first of all, the actress who played Constance was recently in an episode of Dark Matter. Two episodes of Dark Matter, yeah. Two episodes, yeah. And her character arc ended with her and one kissing. And so when she showed up pregnant, my first thought was, (laughs) one, what did you do? (laughs) <laughs> off screen time, off screen sexy
0: times. Oh God!
1: <laughs> oh, but that hilarious. actress, she played a character in *Lovers Apart* of *Lost Girls*. She played the the girl. I can't remember her name, but the girl who was uh, eventually possessed by the the spirit. And then the stand-in the, for
2: Kenzie, basically. Yeah,
1: the stand-in for Kenzie. And She's then, also
2: irregular on *Rookie Blue*. Mm-hmm, Not yeah. regular. She's recurring as as Oliver Shaw's daughter.
1: And then the guard, the only guard who had lines, was also a guard in Lost Girl. She just, she has that stature. She's tall and broad and she looks like a guard. As she was in the second episode of season two. I, I fought the fae and the fae one. She was the guard who was taking the lady with the quills to the place where she could be released for the... Stag hunt. Thank you, the stag hunt. I'm like, the reaping? That's not right at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> too many sci-fi shows and movies for yeah. you, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> and then Clara, one of the vessels, the one who talked the most besides Jenny and and Constance, she was the crying Fay in Fage Against the Machine. Oh. I figured that one you might not have caught because she had blonde hair on Lost Girl. And she well, had hair I here.
0: didn't catch any of them, so you guys are better <laughs> than me. But I, I love what you said about one. What did you do? That's hilarious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the Nine would consider the the mining planet on Dark Matter unworthy of yeah, one of
0: their pretty, vessels. Yeah, <laughs> pretty unworthy. Definitely. And then a, a Raza crew full of accused murderers and smugglers, pretty... Pretty unworthy.
1: So there was lots of stuff that made me happy this week, particularly the return of Lucy. I thought Lucy had some great moments in this episode.
2: Oh, Lucy. (laughs) Poor Lucy. Can't get any respect.
1: Chris, what was your favorite Lucy moment? The moment where...
2: Oh, she, she suggests that they reschedule the birth. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I missed that My cargo pay is not equipped for this situation. Can we reschedule? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I missed
1: that somehow. I missed
2: the last part. <laughs> oh, Lucy. Do you, do you somehow not know how this works, Lucy?
0: <laughs> Poor Lucy. Everybody at simultaneous. We are 205 minutes behind schedule. Everybody simultaneously, shut up, Lucy. And I'm all, all oh, tell your ship to I shut up. I
1: appreciate her love of punctuality. I appreciate you, Lucy. And then Davin, he's all, thanks, ship. And I'm yeah. all, Lucy, her name is Lucy. Get it right, Davin. But I did like that moment where Davin it just clearly is not used to having a talking ship that can respond yeah. to him. So he's like, uh, thank you, ship. But that was sweet, right? Her congratulating him on getting his rack license. His level four. Yes, yeah. very considerate.
0: And then he doesn't know how to turn it off when the alarm goes off. <laughs> so... It's like, what do but, I do?
1: <laughs> and they repeated the bio spill in Cargo Bay joke again, but it was still funny. I still laughed. <laughs> I gotta watch that again. I missed that. I missed all the Lucy lines this week. Well, this time, this week, Lucy was more in the background, which is fine. I think actually that keeps Lucy from becoming an obnoxious talking computer and being the fantastic flying talking ship that she is.
0: But instead, we got the Rambler. Which was awesome. Ooh,
1: I liked the Rambler. That was a yeah. neat looking vehicle. I liked the design on that. They, I know. Ramble Lamma Ding
0: Dong? Yeah, which is what Emily Andrus <laughs> called it when she replied to your inquiry. Right, Ramble Lamma Ding Dong, yep.
2: But she said uh, that all the writers, all the other writers in the room, rightfully shut her down when she, uh, <laughs> when she <laughs> called no, it Ramble but,
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, it was very uh, Farscape esque. It reminded me of a couple Farscape episodes to see that.
1: I appreciated that Johnny was having so much fun driving across the Badlands in the Rambler.
2: I know. Ramble (laughs) in a (laughs) ding-dong.
1: Ramble in a ding-dong and away.
0: (laughs) That's what Aaron Ashmore tweeted. He's like, I love the Badlands. I like that line. And then at the beginning, when they're chasing their warrant, that whole chase sequence
2: was That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm Mm-hmm. Dutch is like, get him. I love I love Dutch's whole <laughs> work smarter, not harder.
1: Yes, yeah. mentality. Yeah. And she was just completely unfazed by this whole situation. Daven's like running and sweating and Dutch is just Freaking strolling out. along. Like, okay. I know. I gotta say, I, not that she hasn't been doing a great job before now. I think she has been. But I thought that this episode, it felt like Hannah John Common really... Has control of her character, like has grasped Dutch in a new way in this episode. I just felt like she was just on point and completely comfortable, and moving really easily through this episode and all of the different situations she had to handle as Dutch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The
0: the chase and the 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 uh, the, uh, through the door and the homeowners are like, what the f? But I get the feeling they're kind of almost used to that kind of stuff happening. On uh, Westerly, so... Um, and I
1: love Dutch's line, like, sorry, sorry, smells delicious. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> She's at least trying to apologize for the mess they're, you know, they're breaking and entering in uh, as a killjoy. She's a polite killjoy.
2: That sequence kind of reminded me of the, the chase sequence in Minority Report.
1: It's been too long, so I'll have to yeah, take your word for it. it's been a while. Oh,
2: okay. There's a whole sequence where they're chasing Tom Cruise's character through like a, a residential area and similarly sort of running through people's homes.
1: I thought I agree. I think the the chase sequence at the beginning was a lot of fun. They've been doing a good job of that, of beginning the episodes in the middle of a warrant. So we sort of start with a little action sequence that amps up the energy for the episode. And then they transition into the bigger arc for the episode. I like mm-hmm. it so far that they're doing yeah. that.
0: Uh, although Dutch is very smart because she's seen it before. She's like, step back. Why? splat. And then later she says to Bellis, I'm still wearing my last warrant as she takes a piece of gray matter or whatever out of her hair.
2: Once again, like what is going on on Westerly that stuff like that is necessary? Well, Westerly
0: is not a very desirable place and maybe people just want to get out of Dodge and they're trying to make it harder for them to do it.
2: All I'm saying is the future is terrifying.
1: It usually is. the quad is is. worse. Yeah. I did have that question though of why what exactly was that security wire supposed to do? What was it preventing people from obviously climbing upward, but yeah, I was kind of confused by its existence. But that's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Again,
0: old town in Westerly is not a nice place and if people want to maybe people want to escape their you know, their mining contracts and get out of there and chop their foremans to do it, but that's another security measure so that people don't get out of their uh their obligation.
1: It just seemed like so, a weird place because it was in the town center where it felt like people came to drink and find hookers and such. Well, I don't know, but now it's a messy town center, no thanks to. <laughs> did Did you <laughs> laugh when with the at the splat sound effect? I totally laughed at the splat. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Good. Okay.
0: I just laughed how they still brought the bag of whatever I was left, <laughs> and put it on. <laughs> Bellis is like, you're getting. Your warrant all over my desk. I forget the warrant's name. Enzo. Enzo. And then later, did you notice when Dutch is talking that he to... he was wiping
1: it up? That, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Davin's wiping it up in the foreground. Yeah, that's hilarious. I think I missed that.
1: Yeah. I appreciated that a lot.
2: Oh, and at the end of that section where where Johnny says to Davin, you tagged him, you bag him. I'm pretty sure that's a Warehouse 13 reference. Oh. Because their whole thing is like tag him and bag him, so.
1: Okay. And Aaron Ashmore was on Warehouse 13, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Bellish was in this week's episode again, and I, I got tickled by her enjoying Dutch making a fool of herself. Yeah. I just like,
2: Dutch, if you're going to insult people, make sure they're not in the vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> Look behind the curtain first.
0: But yeah, the, the, I've heard you're the best female killjoy. I am the best, period. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> Damn yeah. right
1: you are. Mm hmm. She was really sexy this week, guys. Yes. (laughs) There were several moments where I was just like, damn, she's really sexy. Yes.
0: Can we talk about sexy on this podcast, please? And then you guys (laughs) won't think I'm weird. Uh, Like you said a couple episodes ago, it's that voice and the hair and the leather and the gun. It's everything.
1: (laughs) I appreciate that she's worn the same blue leather jacket. Over several episodes, I like when clothes, especially expensive pieces of clothing, show up repeatedly. It always bugs me a little bit in T V shows where it's like you never see the same outfit twice on a character.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I don't think Killjoys they're making tons of money and they just have their one you know, their comfortable clothes that they use to go out and get a warrant. Yeah, I like that too.
1: I think they make decent money, but I still think yeah. it's appropriate. Because a leather jacket is not a cheap thing, right? It's not yeah. exactly reasonable that on some shows, <laughs> Lost Girl, people seem to have like 12 of them.
2: Subtle, <laughs> Stephanie. Well,
0: I, I I don't think, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see Dutch as a clothes horse, though. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, more of a travel light type of person. Though she clearly yeah. enjoys wearing a pretty dress. And who can blame her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the undercover stuff she's good at
2: i love the costuming on the show
1: me too Mm -hmm. i like it a lot
2: they've done a nice job with it so all all the talk about dutch and uh how much you appreciate her because who doesn't but does that mean that you want to be included next time somebody refers to dutch's lovers oh yes i raise (laughs) my hand raise it high (laughs) how's that for us for a segue Yes, that's a very good segue.
1: <laughs> I actually didn't catch that line on the first watch through. I I need to like I don't know. I'm not close enough to the TV or something. I've had trouble hearing some of the lines I on my first watch. I keep telling
0: you put captioning
1: on. You get a wealth of information. Okay, okay, but <laughs> but I I liked how she didn't even try to correct her. She was just like, sure, my lovers. Yes, yeah. like why not? <laughs> my lovers in line? Yeah,
2: <laughs> but she said it with like a little bit of a tone. <laughs> yeah, which was nice.
0: And, and but they do follow her lead, you know, when they get to the when they get to back to Westerly or whatever, she's like boys. You with know? me,
2: yes. Yeah, with me, <laughs> yes. Well she's their partner boss.
1: Yeah, partner boss. No. Yep. This episode was written by Emily Andrus, who's who is a very funny writer, and I gotta say, I found this episode to be very funny. I think my favorite line was, I've met babies. They're very slow. <laughs> <laughs> I cackled pretty hard at that line. <laughs> I know.
0: But I'm like, guys, how can you not know it's still in her? <laughs> so
1: where else would it be? But I like that Dutch was just like, Are you finished? Are you- okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to
2: business. Focus, focus. So what you're saying is is you are Dutch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> in this scenario, you and I are Johnny and nanny. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Because I'm trying to, like, I'm letting y'all riff, and then I'm like, are you done? Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I got it. I just didn't think it was funny. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Anyway, any other lines that you especially liked, Stephanie?
1: It was less about the... Well, I kind of liked the lines, but it was more... I found this exchange between the three of them really interesting. It was when they were going to walk into the fortress where the vessels were and Davin says ladies first and Dutch replies rarely in my experience. And then Davin being kind of gross says, then they're doing it wrong. And finally John says, I'll be the lady and went up to the door. I liked that exchange because it was funny. A I I did. I did think it was funny. Both Dutch's line and then Johnny's line. It's just like, I'll be the lady. But I liked how it revealed an interesting group dynamic where They again return to the fact that, like we saw in the first episode, Davin totally finds Dutch hot. And Johnny is trying to mediate that tension in this relationship and their developing relationship. So I thought it was both a funny exchange and a revealing one as well.
0: Well, and Johnny does say to Davin at the end of the episode basically, keep it professional. And I see the way you're looking at her, but don't mess this up because we've got a good thing going. You know, if you don't mess this up, because we're becoming a good team davin says okay i promise and i'm like oh i wonder how long that's gonna
2: happen he's gonna keep that promise probably not that long
1: (laughs) i like that they did address it though Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: because yeah i mean clearly it was something that was bothering johnny so yeah and i liked how johnny
0: addressed why isn't davin confiding in him so i like that they were talking more this
1: episode I'm probably the only person watching who got excited by this moment, but I got excited when Dutch mentioned lichen, because I love lichen.
0: <laughs> so what? Yeah.
1: I would have been even more excited if they'd actually shown lichen, because lichen is beautiful, but I love lichen. It is All I saw was brown. It was, it, there was no lichen. That was the point. Okay. unless
0: <laughs> I saw was a brown cliff face. What Lichen.
2: There yeah, wasn't the, the any. The
0: whole point
1: was that, that, was that there, there wasn't
2: lichen, and that's what was suspicious. Okay.
1: <laughs> but I love lichen. If you don't know about <laughs> lichen, you should look up lichen. It's really it fascinating. I the tag at the end of this episode. But I love lichen. I do. It's the symbiotic relationship between algae and the fungus. And the rock. And the rock. Where the- no, in fungus. And oh, the fungus. algae provides the food, and the fungus protects the algae from the elements, and it's beautiful, and it has funny names like Dolly Partononia or something like that. Like, I love lichen. <laughs> thank you
0: for your edu- I mean, seriously, thank you for the education. But
2: I <laughs> just, oh, that was <laughs> insights into Stephanie's mind. <laughs> she loves lichen. I do. And now we know what to get you for your next birthday, which is coming lichen. up, isn't it?
1: Sadly, <laughs> your own it is actually lichen growing kit. Sadly though, okay. lichen is endangered. Like the species of lichen have, com- have greatly decreased. So learn to love lichen, protect lichen. Lichen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not
2: Delphine! it's lichen this week. <laughs> But there was like an arm gesture that went with it too. (laughs) Damn it, I missed it. It was like it it was similar to the charge motion, except with (laughs) like (laughs) it. It
1: was supposed to be a battle cry, so you got that right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I also enjoyed Jenny. I thought she was cool. (laughs) Poor Jenny. Poor Jenny. This is the second
2: episode in a row where there's been a girl who's like having interesting conversations and making a connection with Johnny and then something horrible happens they to her. Die. Yeah, Johnny has yeah. had a
1: rough couple of weeks. He keeps losing people. I that know. he has conversations with.
0: But I did appreciate that. I'm like, holy, sh- she just blew herself up. My God, how noble. But yeah, I did appreciate that because they took time to establish that all the uh, vessels, all the girls were connected to each other. And had genuine feelings for each other. But I thought that, I thought that whole sequence was shot very well, that where they escape from the, the hideout and, um, that whole action sequence was done very well. So, but FYI, that sequence where they find the girls in that, what do you call it? In that, uh, arboretum or whatever, as well as most of the interior shots and the, Exterior shot where they go and they drop off the baby to the 9-liter. That was all shot at Toronto's Casa Loma, which is one of the, um, I guess, premier shooting places. It's a tourist attraction. It's a castle in the middle of Toronto. But it's also one of the go-to places for productions to shoot. So everything from like the first X-Men movie and a bunch of stuff has been shot there. But I recognize it right away because I've done the whole tourist attraction. I'm like, hey, I was in that room hey, I was out there. Oh, there's that part
1: and that part. So that was kind of cool to see that. But it makes sense because it's beautiful there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I understood why we didn't get more of these shots, but I really wanted more shots of the ceiling because there's that shot from beneath when Dutch grabs the nun's gun and it's shooting Mm -hmm. upward to this beautiful stained glass kind of ceiling. It's like, oh, that's lovely.
0: It's actually really hard to get into a shot because it's a big ceiling. Yeah. So, Yeah. But yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. So if you go there,
2: go visit. I also liked that we got this sort of new side of Davin where he has learned all of the vessel's names. And is. I, I said on Twitter something about how he sort of like turned into Group Dad. And then Aaron Ashmore tweeted me back and said, actually, it's more like Den Mother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I thought he was just learning all their names because he was just a guy who wanted to get to know them all. But because I like that bit was kind of funny when they're like, oh, and you guys are the meat or whatever. <laughs> so they're like, we love brothers. Do you like flying around and stuff? And they're all, yeah. <laughs>
1: so. Well, the the thing that I think you mentioned, Chris, that we got to see a new side of Davin this week. And, and I agree. I feel like I think because Dutch came from a similar situation as the girls, she was having some trouble empathizing with them, I think maybe because it brought up elements of her past that she's not happy about. Mm -hmm. And so Davin was really the person who brought the compassion for these young women Mm -hmm. in this episode, reminding Dutch that they're probably really scared. And the fact that he didn't, he was the only one of them who knew all of their names. I mean, Johnny got to know Jenny and Dutch got to know Constance, obviously, but Davin was the only one who knew all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
2: you know, more than just a big, muscly distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Though he was that also.
0: (sighs) But I love how the girls were prepared and had this incredibly awesome arsenal that Dutch was also very happy with. And (laughs) they're like, do you know how to handle those weapons? And they're like, please. (laughs) We were firing weapons on on Leith before we even learned how to thrush. So... So it's quite a surreal thing to see that scene where they all went out and face the mercenaries and all these like women in all these beautiful dresses and a pregnant woman just firing their asses off. I mean, it's, it's part of it's suspension of disbelief, but I found it quite, uh, quite well done and a little bit amusing. <laughs> so like I said, I think I tweeted to Emily Andrus, they need a spinoff. So <laughs> she, fa- she favorited it later. <laughs>
1: I liked that they, that's not a common image, right? This pregnant woman blasting these people. I, generally, yeah. when we have women who are action he- heroes, they're often, they have to be very divorced from from motherhood and, and that sort of stuff. So it actually reminded me a bit of the original, I think it was the videotape cover for Aliens starring Sigourney Weaver. And it was a picture of, of Ripley who had Newt, the little girl in the film. She was holding her in one arm. And then she had this huge gun that she was holding in another. And -hmm. it's this very striking image of this combination of like toughness and fierceness and motherhood. And you just don't see it all that often.
0: Well, what you're saying reminds me also of um, the end of Farscape, the mini series where Aaron soon gives birth and then they're being fired and being, you know, they're trapped. And so they have to like blast their way out of there. So the next thing you see is her, Of course, you know, it's a little unrealistic, of course, but her carrying her baby, you know, in one arm and blasting away with her pulse pistol, as usual, in the other arm. So, but it's, uh, yeah, that kind of image.
2: And I'm like, oh, I love you, Aaron, soon. But I actually think it's really, really weird that we think of that as an unusual image, because, like, seriously, all the most, I think, most fiercely protective people I know of are mothers, Exactly. Like, there is nothing more terrifying than, like, a protective mother, right? Mm-hmm. And what's one of the most protective mothers we think of in all of sci-fi? It's Sarah Connor from the Terminator series. Also, I mean, just, like, giving birth, that's...
1: Yeah. That's, that's serious business. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree.
1: This is an
0: interesting question that the leader of the Nine was talking about the whole purpose of... Why they have surrogates and everything, and it made it sound like is infertility common in the quad, or at least among the the rich, because they don't want, or the nine because they don't want to. She said she had a line of something like they don't want to go along with the, you know, they're too pure for they don't want their wives and daughters to go through that process. That's why they have
2: surrogates. It's gauche, she says. It's gauche. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's too dangerous for them. And <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, lady. I did wonder, though, if that line about fertility was suggesting that infertility might be more common in the quad mm-hmm. than we are accustomed to in, in everyday life. And Well, it did. Obviously, it didn't say it specifically, but I did have that question.
0: Well, Constance did have a line saying, I'm the only one who conceived during this during this time. So none of the other girls were pregnant yet. So, yeah, that kind of went Weight to that too. um, If it's just really hard to get pregnant, because we have this really dangerous, screwed up world of the quad.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I did kind of wonder about that too. So here's another question: Why does Dutch have an instrument that is apparently meant for royalty? And how do you
1: play it? It has strings. It looked like an auto harp, kind of to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Dutch grew up in a royal harem. And then how did how did Klein find her? I mean, was was she just picked because she wasn't a royal harem? And because she's royalty, she was picked for this training? Or how, what made
2: her so special? Or was it the royal harem that she was in that Klein was also there? hmm Because I don't think she said that it was a royal harem, but that's what she likened it to for Davin, right? Yeah. Yes. She said something like... Think of it as a royal harem, or what you would consider a royal harem, or something, well, right? I don't know. I was thinking of those
0: flashback scenes with Klein, and it looks like you know, it doesn't look like they're in Westerly and Old Town. It looks like they're really in, yeah, as you like, nice surroundings or interesting surroundings, lush, lush, yeah, surroundings. lush surroundings, like with the clothing and
2: everything. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: that's what I'm saying. Like, is that part of this royal harem thing that she was talking about? Like, does this royal harem train
0: all these people that grew up to be highly trained, skilled mercenaries or really good at killing people?
1: I'm going to say no. I think that Klein took her from the royal harem to train her. Mm. Okay. But what does it mean exactly that she has this instrument? Does that mean she actually is descended from royalty? Because obviously the, the nine is specific to the quad. She says that instrument... By she, I mean Delsea. Delsea says that the instrument is meant for royalty in other parts of, she calls it the J, but the, the J-Star Cluster which, in which uh. the clo- the quad is located. So does that mean that Dutch was royalty somewhere else in the J-Star Cluster? I, I, I yeah, I obviously, no answers in this episode exactly, but some, it raises some interesting questions about Dutch's background.
2: Mm.
1: So many intriguing questions.
0: So at the end, when Dutch leaves Dalsea Kendri, she says to her guard, Oh, I like her. Find out everything you know, or you can find out. So I'm wondering how much about Dutch's past will be uncovered.
2: Yeah, because we know in the flashbacks, they're calling her something other than Dutch. So Mm -hmm. one wonders if her past can be directly connected to her present. I wonder if Klein is royalty or if he has a
0: connection with the royalty if they wanted Dutch to be trained. For some purpose, that would further their agenda.
1: I'm also curious how Dalsea might want to use Dutch in the future. I didn't look on IMDb to see if that actress is credited in any future episodes, but they hinted that we might see her again.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it. I believe she will be back. I didn't look it up either, but... I'm pretty sure Nora McClellan indicated that she'd be back.
1: Nora McClellan, who plays
0: Belish,
2: Yes. Correct.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I get the feeling that uh, she's going to say to Dutch, you owe me, or vice versa. So she knows how to work the system.
2: And it makes sense that she'd be back. Mm -hmm. Since now she's sort of like an entry point into this concept of the Nine.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it was just me. But when, when Dutch and the group found Hunky Monk in Old Town, there seemed to be some <laughs> sexual tension there between Dutch and Hunky Monk. Do we think they had a thing? Or I love how you call him Hunky Monk.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That might be just you, Stephanie, but I could see it because he is pretty hunky. He's hunky, even if he's got hooks and everywhere in him. It
2: was not just you, Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> there was some something going on because he was very specifically speaking only to Dutch. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then Davin started doing sort of like the the I insecure
1: don't know. man thing. Who's yeah? There you go. <laughs> I got I got a thing for her. Hey now, talk to me too, buddy.
2: Jeez. <laughs> and he wasn't.
1: I, I do like Davin. I'm just kind of making fun of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same, same here.
2: Because he was, he was doing that though. <laughs> he was.
1: He was. Speaking of, do we think that Davin will be able to keep his promise to Johnny? And not make uh, a move on know. Dutch? No. I don't even know if Dutch would be interested, though.
0: Yeah, I, I would hope she'd be smart enough to go, no, or, be, you know, I'm your partner boss. Not partner lover or lover boss.
1: I don't think it was inappropriate for Johnny to approach Davin, because clearly it was Davin who was showing interest in Dutch. I I, I felt okay about that, but I I, ugh, I don't forget where I was going with that. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I don't know that that Dutch would necessarily go for it either just because, like, because of the existing relationship with Johnny, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Mm -hmm. It's her best friend's brother. It would be a little weird, potentially.
0: And who knows? That might have even happened between Johnny and Dutch in the past. I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I mean, you never know. But there's a reason why they're just friends now, I think. And I would go for Dutch, but that's just me.
1: They had pre make that comment in the first episode about the fact that Johnny and Dutch aren't sleeping together. So I mm-hmm. don't think they've slept together in the past either.
0: No, I didn't necessarily mean that. Just that maybe Johnny had tried to make a pass once and oh. got rejected. Oh. And he's like, okay, we're just friends and we'll keep it that way. And they're both happy about it. Oh, okay. And they, form- they formed a really good,
2: solid partnership.
1: That could be possible.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I could see that. Like a, like a Will
1: Tippin, Sydney Bristow
2: thing. Hmm.
1: In a recent interview with TVA, Michelle Lavretta was asked about if there was a potential love triangle brewing amongst Dutch and Davin and Johnny, and thankfully, she said no. <sighs> <sighs> no more love triangles.
2: I mean, I think there was some comment, I don't remember if it was that interview or another one, where she basically acknowledged it as a triangle, but not a love triangle. That's true. So I am mentally referring to it as a trust triangle. <laughs> I like that. A partner boss triangle.
1: Because, yeah, but they're having to negotiate their relationships. Because no, there are relationships other than romantic relationships, right? And you do have <laughs> I know. allegiances that can shift from one to another. Am I putting more of a trust in this person? Even in this episode, right? Johnny addresses that with Davin, the fact that Davin told dutch first about the fact that he was looking for this doctor mm-hmm. and the fact that that bugged him and he says well sometimes it's easier to tell things to a stranger so i i do think that's will be the type of dynamic we're looking at i'm really hoping that they won't do a romantic pairing between any of them i would rather yeah. they keep them all as as friends me too and colleagues yep partner bosses for life <laughs> Speaking of the army doc, we got a name that we need to remember. Pim Yeager, spelled kind of an interesting way. I think they were pronouncing it Yager, though, weren't they? Yager. Okay. So it looks like they landed somewhere on Crash and then disappeared.
2: Which, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. Davin mm. was very assertive that he didn't need Johnny's help in finding the doctor, but you know Johnny's going to try to help him anyway. Probably. Such is Johnny's way. Take the help, Davin. Why won't you take I the know. help? And I
0: like how Johnny, he's, he's concerned about Davin when he's, he's like, well, what can this doctor do, do for you? Can she fix you? Cause obviously he sees that Davin's been having some, you know, he has his, uh, what do they call it? His PTSD issues. Is it stress response
2: syndrome?
0: Yeah, stress response so. syndrome. Yeah. And then he says, well, we have to include Dutch too, because she's family. And I was like, oh. Yeah. They should be a family. A happy little triangle family, platonic triangle family.
1: I'm liking the dynamic that's developing between the three of them a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Me too. I was. It's not that I disliked Davin, but the first couple episodes, Davin was more of a. It was a less distinguished character for me. But the past couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. I've really gotten to to like him, and I'm liking the dynamic that I'm seeing between him and Dutch and Johnny. Right. Yep. I think, yeah, last
2: week and this week especially, they've sort of rounded Davin out a lot more with his interactions with other characters. Yeah. So we saw him with Potter last week and with the vessels this week, which mm-hmm. I think is, is helping. And, and he had that great scene with Dutch where he tells Dutch, you know, whatever it is you've been through, you've come out he of it cleaner. Clean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's really? the Aww. last line. And, and he, she, I don't know if she believes him you know because she's gone through so much we don't know about I think but yeah that was a really
2: nice thing for him to tell her I do have one complaint about Johnny okay Johnny needs to stop using the b word cuz he uses it a lot
1: Yeah you and I are not fans of that word I would prefer uh. if Johnny stopped using using the b word as well I well, cuz he's always
2: like calling other people the b word, the b word. and I just Yeah Stop it, Johnny. Dutch
1: did it a couple times this episode, too. But she called herself that as well. Right. So I was like, well... mm." I don't like it when she
2: does it either, but I've noticed Johnny's done it a lot.
1: So essentially you're saying, watch your mouth, you two. (laughs) Yes, that is what I am saying. (laughs) I'll clean it out with soap. (laughs) We'd love to hear your thoughts about this week's episode. You can send us your feedback to killjoys at askgenretv.com. Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Or you can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. We are on Twitter and Tumblr as Killjoys Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you in the quad. Like it! <laughs>